Although dreams can be intensely personal, they can also be powerful when shared. In this mini-sode, I'll describe the dream group I attend, as well as some other styles of dream work, and I'll tell you about insights I've gained from the group that I didn't see on my own. Hello, and welcome to The Stuff of Dreams. I'm your host, Amy Lawson, MD, practicing pediatrician. I also have a master's degree in depth psychology, specifically in Jungian and archetypal studies. My goal is to connect you with your dreams in a more fun and meaningful way so that you can interpret the messages your unconscious is sending. So in this episode, I want to tell you about our dream group. It was started by my classmate and dear friend Tamara. You met her on episode six, the first Animals in Dreams episode, if you recall. And she's been running dream groups up in Seattle for a while now. Several months ago, she invited some of the members of our class to join her in a dream group, which first was monthly and now is every two weeks. And it's been a really good experience, so I wanted to tell you about it. Tamara runs dream groups based on the work of a psychiatrist and psychoanalyst named Montague Ullman, who wrote about a specific way of working with dreams in groups in the 80s. And actually, the paper is really readable, so I'm going to put the link to it up on the episode page for this episode if you're interested in seeing it. The interesting thing about this way of working with dreams is that it works even for people who don't know each other. And as you may feel yourself, or at least could understand, some people don't want to talk about their dreams in public or in groups because they're private and personal. Some people don't have friends that they would feel comfortable sharing a lot of these details with. Or some people are comfortable talking about their dreams with really good friends, but they may not have access to those people all the time, or they may not have people close enough that they want to share these details with at certain times. I'll admit that most of my dream work and conversations have been either on Reddit or in person just really informally because I'm not afraid of hearing people's dreams or, you know, sharing parts of my own. But some people aren't quite as open as that. That's what's been available to me. But not everybody is going to go out and organize a circle of their closest friends to dissect every dream with. And so Dr. Ullman came up with a way that feels psychologically safe for people to work with dreams in a group setting, even when you don't know people so well. Now, I will say, of course, I know all the members of my class who are in our group pretty well. And so there's not a lot of reticence in what we feel like we can and can't say to each other. But that would not be true with every group. So I still want you to know about this, this method. Oh, and I suppose I should mention that in this time of pandemic, all of our dream groups are virtual. We do them over Zoom, but it still works that way. I think one of the reasons that works is that Tamara is very good at creating the atmosphere and setting the tone for the session. She usually picks out a, a verse or a poem to read, and we all have candles that we light each on our own little place just so that we can feel like in those actions we're coming together in a communal space, even if we're not actually physically together. And then we all go around and do a bit of a check-in about what's going on in our lives right now. And whether we have a dream that we'd like to talk about this week. And by that point, we're all firmly situated in our space and we're checked back in with each other. And we can decide whose dreams we're going to work with during the session. So the dreamer reads his or her dream. And then the first thing that we do is question the dreamer. 
we all take turns asking for more details about whatever parts of the dream we're most curious about. This helps all the participants really start to internalize the images and be able to get the dreamer's content into our own brains as well so that we can start relating to it personally. And it also often leads to more details uncovered by the dreamer that they maybe didn't remember when they were writing down the dream, but often they're able to take the dream images a little bit further as they really delve into what they can remember and the specifics of what happened and what everybody looked like and what emotions they were feeling at the time. And then after we've asked all our questions, the dreamer goes silent and the rest of us discuss the dream as if it was our own. And that's how you psychologically get around the issue of providing hard feedback to the dreamer. That's how you avoid offending them by talking at them and telling them what the dream must mean for them. Because in the next part of the session, we are encouraged to talk about how the dream feels to us. We're encouraged to talk about what emotions it brings for us in that language. You know, if this was my dream, I would feel... Or in this part of the dream, I was really feeling like, and although the dreamer isn't talking during this, it's really interesting when you hear other people talking about your dream and how it affects them and what emotions they feel, because it can really help you gain insight into your own stuff. Because, you know, sometimes when you're looking at your own dream, you're just a little bit too close to it and you can't take that step back and see a big enough picture view in order to really allow it to fully speak to you. At least that's my experience. And then when we're finished talking about our emotions that the dream evokes, we're asked to talk about the images and the symbols and the metaphors in the dream. And that can be interesting too, because we're inviting other people to project things onto our dream. And just acknowledging that is actually a really safe way of dealing with the dreams, because if I'm talking about the symbols or the metaphors in a dream as related to the dreamer himself or herself, I may be making some assumptions. I may be projecting my own stuff that isn't really there in the dreamer's head. Side note, of course, that's what I'm doing when I'm interpreting dreams on Reddit or on this podcast, but I've been invited to do so. In this technique, we're talking about ways that it's more psychologically safe for people who aren't quite sure that they want to totally put their dreams out there for anybody to hear. So again, we're talking about the other person's dream as if it was our own, so that we can say what the symbols or the metaphors or the images would mean if this was related to our own life. And even though this isn't aimed at specifically interpreting the dream for the dreamer, it's a really powerful experience because I can tell you when I have just sat back and listened to other people talk about how my dream makes them feel and how the symbols and images from my dream might make meaning if it was their own dream, I've learned so much. I mean, some of it isn't relevant to me, but I'm always shocked about how much of it is. And even if it's not relevant to me, my dream is still affecting that other person and helping them to project their stuff onto it and learn something from it. So this is a way of making one person's dream meaningful to the whole group in a very safe yet deep way. And that's what I've really appreciated about this way of working with dreams. And then once everybody is given that feedback, 
we go back to the dreamer again and the dreamer tells us what that experience was like for them and what resonated for them and what things they really felt exactly the same about as we did and what things maybe they didn't feel the same about and how this experience deepened their understanding of the dream. So I want to give you just a quick example because in last week's dream group, we worked with one of my own dreams. I mentioned this dream in last week's mini-sode because it's one that contains that doctor figure that I told you about. But now I'll tell you a little bit more about the content of the dream. Here it is. I'm in school with some other kids. It feels like elementary school, but also like I'm older than that mentally. I go to the bathroom and eventually the stall doors disappear, but nobody's paying attention to me, so I'm not really embarrassed about that. Then I'm standing in the main space of the bathroom, and I have this Ziploc bag full of medicines. I know I need to take some of them once a day, but I also have two vials, one big and one smaller, that I know I'm supposed to take intravenously. The word chemotherapy comes to me, and I realize they're for cancer. I have cancer again, but in the dream, I can't feel or tell where it is. I think that I should know how to do this, since I've been through it before, but I don't know how to put an IV in myself. I'm afraid to ask people for help because it seems like they think I should be able to do it myself. But then new people come into the bathroom, including some new teachers, and they seem like they might help me. Dr. X is there, but I can't remember if she's one who's judging me or one who will help me. So I'm not going to put you through a long and torturous explanation of everything I think this dream means, but I want to tell you about what the dream group pulled out of this dream for me that I didn't see. Most of it came in the round of conversation where people were talking about what emotions the dream would evoke for them. And I realized that I didn't feel most of the emotions they were talking about in the dream and that the absence of those emotions is actually really telling about my personality and myself as a child and how I deal with sickness and weakness. Because in the first part of the dream, I'm in the bathroom in a stall where I'm expecting privacy, and then the walls suddenly disappear. But I immediately look around, see that nobody's really paying me any attention, and so I'm not embarrassed. It's safe. And people remarked that they would feel a lot more invaded and embarrassed in that case because they were in a bathroom where they were fully right to expect privacy. And the fact that the walls disappeared was kind of a big deal. And in my dream, I just kind of wrote it off, which is what I often do when things don't quite go my way. I look for ways to make it not that big of a deal so that I don't have to worry about it and I don't have to get upset about it. And then the dream group also talked a lot about my feelings about having cancer and needing to be able to treat myself. They pointed out that in the dream, there's no being angry or upset or fearful about having cancer again. It's almost like I don't even really let myself think about that. I'm just fixated on these medicines and what it is that I'm supposed to be doing. And that's pretty correct because, as I've probably said on the show before at some point, when I had cancer, I was a dumb 19-year-old who just knew I'd be fine, and, uh, and I was. But I ended up being the emotional support for most of the friends and family around me because I was doing so okay. And that led to a lot of things decades later that I realized I should have felt about it, that I needed to be feeling about my cancer, that I had repressed because I was too busy taking care of everybody else's emotions. 
And my dream group also pointed out the unrealistic expectations that I, as a school-aged child, was expected to know how to give myself medication, know how to put an IV in myself and treat myself intravenously. And I felt so strongly that I was supposed to be able to do this that I was afraid to ask anybody for help and wasn't sure whether I should or not. So my group talked a lot about how that felt really lonely and unsupported and how that was just not quite expected for a child to take on that much responsibility. But in the dream, it's just how it was, right? Like, I just knew I was supposed to be able to do this. I couldn't count on anybody else to help me necessarily. I was supposed to know how. And so that got me thinking and reflecting about how that absence of anger or being upset about the lack of support when I should have been able to count on it as a child, how that absence of expected emotions showed that I always knew I was supposed to be able to count on myself and that I was supposed to take care of myself and the emotions of my family. And I didn't really have the time or the space to realize that that wasn't typical and wasn't to be expected. I've been doing a lot of work in my personal life lately about holding my own against all the currents of emotions and expectations that I've learned to very intensely feel from other people. Swirling currents of other people's emotions and expectations that I have trained myself to pick up on all the time. And so it makes sense that my unconscious would send me this dream to refocus me on my own stuff and on the fact that it's not quite normal to expect a child to be able to heal herself and care for herself in these really advanced ways. And lately I have been feeling like that child at some points and like that's a part of my psyche that I need to do some healing work with. So I hope that's a useful example for you of how a group thinking about a dream can lead to more personal insights for the dreamer herself. I want to quickly mention a couple of other ways that I've seen groups work with dreams. The first is just a more academic way where people dissect elements of someone's dreams or pick a certain symbol and really try to get into the meaning of that. And that tends to be a little more scholarly and a little less personal. Another way that we learned in school to deal with dreams is called dream tending, and that's been developed by Dr. Steven Eisenstadt. In this technique, people work one-on-one, and the dreamer shares a dream, and then the dream tender asks questions about that dream and tries to lead the dreamer deeper into the images to see how they change and progress. It's almost like assisted active imagination in a way. So if that sounds interesting to you, you can check that out as well. That's the end of this week's mini-sode. In the next few episodes, we're going to cover violence in dreams, the mind-body connection, how the inner self is represented in dreams, and much more. So be on the lookout for those. As always, you can email me directly with dreams or comments or just to say hi, and please do, at stuffofdreamspodcast at gmail.com. Head on over to my website, stuffofdreams.fireside.fm, to find show notes for each episode, and I'll put the link to Dr. Ullman's Dream Group paper there, as well as a link to Dr. Eisenstadt's Dream Tending website. Thank you so much for listening, and if you liked it, I encourage you to tell a friend about it this week. Let's get more people fluent in the language of dreams. Bye for now, and I hope you dream tonight.